0: Welcome back to another episode of the Better You Podcast, where we focus on better understanding our relationship with ourselves. I'm your host Casey Maine, and I love, love, love this episode because we are talking about a topic that is very real to me, and that is the stress of self-care. In this episode, I talk to Megan Weigel, who is a nurse practitioner with an integrative medicine practice here in Jacksonville, Florida. She's been a nurse practitioner for 18 years and is a board certified advanced practice holistic nurse. And we talk about how to lessen the stress of doing all the things we are trying to do to not be so stressed, which is just a very real thing. Luckily, these days we have all this information and data and podcasts and apps and books and all this stuff to better take care of ourselves. But ultimately what's happening is we're just stressing out over trying to fit all those things into our normal routine of all the other things we're trying to do. And it's ultimately just making us more stressed out. So today we really dive into that. And we also talk about what integrative medicine is and how it differs from conventional medicine and functional medicine. We discuss how our gut and our brain are always communicating, and then what are the implications of that, and she gives some really great insight on how to approach our self-care routine to make sure that it isn't ultimately just stressing us out even more, which is really why I wanted to air this episode now, because as the podcast moves forward, we're going to look at a lot of different self-care tactics and discuss what's good for us, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, from a physical standpoint, from a mental, spiritual, all that stuff. And so I know that it can tend to get overwhelming. I, I get overwhelmed myself. So I thought this was an important episode to air now before we really start to dive into a lot of those topics so that we all approach our self-care routine in, in a healthier and more manageable way. So I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Megan and be sure to listen all the way to the end to hear my favorite takeaways, as well as this week's recommendation from a listener. Okay. So let's just start with a little bit of like your background,
1: your education, and like your current practice. Okay. So I, uh, I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm a family nurse practitioner by board certification. when I came out of graduate school, my, uh, preceptor, was like, oh, hey, I know this great neurologist that needs a nurse practitioner. And I thought, well, you know, I always floated to that floor (laughs) when I was a a registered nurse in the hospital, and it wasn't so bad, so I'll just try it and see if I like it. Um, So I started working for a neurology practice um, here in town, and I loved it. I think that neurological conditions, particularly ones that are chronic, really affect the whole person, and they affect a whole family not just a person who lives with the disease. So I found it was a really good fit and I just stayed there. Um, I started learning uh, more about multiple sclerosis thanks to a nurse who was a mentor to me and I really loved the science and um, I also loved the people I was meeting who were MS experts, just a really altruistic bunch of folks. So I stayed in neurology and that was 19 years ago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel like as a, as a nurse practitioner or PA, um, you know, we, we tend, tend to jump around a little bit like, mm-hmm. oh, I kind of like this so maybe I'll try that. But I've just stayed. It's been a really good fit for me. I think it's, it's part of that, uh, the mind body thing that, mm-hmm. that just really resonates with my heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then when did you open this practice? So I started this practice in January of this year, 2019, after completing fellowship in integrative medicine through the University of Arizona. Um, And integrative medicine I love because it doesn't dismiss conventional medicine, which saves people's lives and does really great things. Um, So it's the blending of conventional medicine with complementary and alternative medicine, because they do fit well together. Uh, the problem is there's just not a lot of time to do that in our current medical model. So I was just I was really super frustrated at work when I had 25 minutes to talk to a person who really wanted to come off some medication. and again, for some things you can come off medication. Mm-hmm. you know you can manage things um, completely with lifestyle. And all I could say was you know you got to eat healthy, you got to sleep more stress less. And I'll see you in three months because I didn't really have the time to get into the nitty gritty of things. And, you know, unfortunately, I think our our larger medical uh, organizations, they're starting to see the need for more time spent in those areas, um, lifestyle medicine, integrated medicine, functional medicine, but they're just not quite sure how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of saw myself leaving work every day, feeling out of integrity with myself. And I'm a new mom. I don't know how long I can call myself a new mom. <laughs> My son's two and a half, so I still feel like a new mom. Yeah, I think you, um, I think you get a couple years yeah. of doing that. And and when you when you get home at the end of the day and and you feel out of integrity with yourself and then you go home and you're like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I don't know how to be a mom. You know, it just starts.
0: Snowballs. Snowballs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I woke up one day and I, I told my husband, um, I said, I think I need to start my own practice and just see if it's going to work. And, um, he said, I think you do too. (laughs) (laughs) And that's you always it know it's the right move
0: when the people in your life that would usually maybe be like,
1: uh, you know, like yeah. maybe
0: a little bit more risk averse to those kind of moves when they're like, yeah, you gotta do something.
1: Yeah. Like. yeah He's like, I'm a hundred percent behind you. So I, so I did that in January.
0: Okay. okay. So what is, all right. So you mentioned integrative medicine, which is kind of like a hot word hot buzzword word, right now. Word, and yeah. same with like functional medicine and then conventional medicine. So can you just like clarify a little bit, like what are the differences of like all those three for those who maybe not maybe don't know?
1: Yeah, so conventional medicine or allopathic medicine, you know, called one of those things, um, is you know your traditional medical model. So you are seeing a physician or a DO or a nurse practitioner or a PA, and they're trained to diagnose and treat. And very fortunately, in our current System of healthcare education that uh, conventional medicine is becoming more holistic mm-hmm. because uh, it is research based as it should be. It's evidence based medicine, and, and there's finally research to back up you know lifestyle changes that actually make monumental changes in our health. Mm-hmm. However, the system is also set up to manage chronic conditions uh, with you know more medication the system works very well for acute conditions and for you know trauma and emergencies and certainly we've done incredible things not we i haven't done a damn thing but (laughs) um but uh, incredible things you know with surgical advances and pharmaceutical advances and all of all of the advances that have been made and and i'm very i mean i'm still very deeply rooted in conventional medicine because it works Mm -hmm. and it saves people's lives Integrative medicine, again, is kind of using those tools that I've had for my whole career and then bringing in other things to help a person heal even when a cure isn't possible. Do so in the least toxic, least costly, costly method that involves their mind, body, spirit. So call it mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. And the problem with integrative medicine is that it takes a lot of time. And so our current, again, our current system doesn't support that. So um, it's insurance based, it's time based, it's quality driven, but those quality measures are actually measures more of quantity and how many times you're asking the right questions right. that aren't necessarily meaningful to the person sitting in front of you, but you have to check them off on your EMR to get paid. Right.
0: Which does, which has lent itself to this very fast pace. So, like I yeah. said earlier, you don't have the time to have the conversations with the patient because you've got to see a certain number of patients for per you know day or right. per hour or whatever. So you can build on all the paperwork and all of that. Yeah, okay, so you're saying integrative medicine is where we're tying in um, like,
1: Plant, medicine, Eastern yeah. stuff. Eastern, okay. um, Eastern uh, beliefs um, like traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, herbs and botanicals, mindfulness therapies, uh, movement of your body, I, which I tend to like using the word movement now instead of exercise, because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of psychological stuff wound up in exercise. Nutritional changes and you know, really kind of bringing enjoyment into life as well, Mm -hmm. like taking the focus away from like sickness to healing. And then functional medicine is another animal in and of itself. And and it's a a different practice that is much more holistic, uh, but really focuses on the gut as the root cause Mm -hmm. of most problems and getting to the root cause of most problems. So an example would be, well, you have hypothyroidism, but why? Mm -hmm. You know, is it because you have antibodies that are swinging up? Is it because you aren't taking in enough iodine or selenium or zinc to support your thyroid? So they kind of take things a little bit farther. It's more of a biochemical model. And so I use that as part of my practice, like as a tool, Mm -hmm. but it's not the root of my Practice And what I took away from my integrative training is just really the importance of the connection between my, among my body and spirit Okay. and health. And yeah. Healing. So
0: I, I love that because, all right, so like microbiome and gut health is another just yeah. buzzword right, right now. And I love it because I think, like you said, we're finally now asking like the whys, which is my favorite mm-hmm. question and trying to get to the, not just bandaid over things, but like, why do you have this issue? Like, what is the root cause? And then treat that. But, and this kind of came up in our, in our pre-interview is like, okay, so you treat the gut, but the gut and the brain communicate. And right. there's like a lot of actual like research that shows that now. And so it kind of becomes this, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> yeah. because like you can treat the gut, but if your mind and like your mindset and everything going on there is in a negative space, it's just going to maybe just erase all the progress you've made by switching up your diet or whatever it may be to just focus on the
1: gut. Right. Right. And that's, that's what I love about, about the practice of integrative medicine and particularly the way I practice is just that. So if a person comes in and you know, they're having issues with anxiety, which many of us know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you just think about a nervous tummy. I mean, that's not a new term, Right. right? Um, you know, the, you have this enteric nervous system, you have a a vagus nerve, which is a cranial nerve that literally sits in your gut, you know, um, has projections that far. And so your, your gut and your brain are always talking, like you said, but if a person comes in and has a history of, you know, physical, emotional, mental, sexual trauma, or, you know, just for some reason is, just the kind of person who's never felt like they were good enough or, you know, is is in a very high stress position in life and, and is experiencing physical consequences of any of those things, the tools for the physical body, I believe, might help for a short period of time, mm-hmm. like taking a probiotic, changing your diet, you know, it, it might help alleviate some of the physical symptoms for a period of time, but until you get into you know, the why of those symptoms and the the why that runs you, they're just going to come back. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's where the what came first, the chicken or the egg comes in. Because for some people, truly, the physical stuff happens first. Like, I traveled, I got traveler's diarrhea, nothing's been the same since. And now I'm starting to have some brain issues, you know. But most of the things that I'm seeing are the opposite way. It's years of you know, emotional, mental, or spiritual issues. And then the physical stuff starts to happen. And if you don't, again, address those things, you right. just keep getting sick. I don't know. This is where I think it gets tricky
0: because can't then, doesn't become like an endless cycle. So then like the physical stuff kind of plays into your, your, your mental or your mindset or your oh, limiting beliefs sure. about yourself. So it's like, if I thought like, oh, I'm not thin enough and that's, stressing me out. And then I change my diet and work out like crazy and don't see the results. And so then I get, it's like, it's like, I just, I'm repeating the same pattern and I'm, I'm like furthering my own belief.
1: Right, right. Exactly. And similarly, it is part of, I, I mean, in my own healing, it's still a process, right? Cause we're all on this oh, journey yeah. <laughs> and, and I've been very blessed to not have any major medical problems. Most of mine, I'm sure my friends, family, and husband would agree are probably mental, emotional <laughs> problems. But again, long enough, they can, you know, lead to physical things. Like mm-hmm. when you think about stress causing GI issues, when you think about the type A personality and cardiovascular disease, we now know, you know, prolonged exposure to stress changes the way our immune system works. And, and, and maybe there's a tie with autoimmune diseases and, you know, not just in the way that we used to think of with prolonged physiological stress or like this, a major psychosocial stressor, but just like the daily pummeling that we do to ourselves and, um, and you know, over decades, Mm -hmm. like what does that do Mm -hmm. to to our bodies?
0: Right. And so then in today's world where we're a little bit more aware of you know, self-work and self-care and self-love and, you know, the meditating and all that stuff, and we're starting to all realize, okay, lifestyle matters and, you know, nutrition and blah, 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 it's like we have a new version of stress, which is, like, the stress of self-care, right. and so it's like we might think, oh, okay, I've got to do all this stuff to take care of my mind and my body, but then how much... Uh, is it the same issue, it just looks different?
1: Yeah, so I think it is, actually. And I am i am no guru. Like, I am not... Um, I live a very normal... I don't know, I live a normal life. I do too much. You know, I'm high pressure on myself. and And unfortunately, I love all the things that I do. So it's, like, hard to say no. But what I've recognized in here... Uh, in my new practice with seeing people is that there is this like stress of self-care because there are so many things available to Mm -hmm. us to help us get better, help us live longer, help us feel well, help us be healthy, you know, help us be more mindful that, you know, I, I recognize that some people are trying to do like 15 of those things in one day. Mm -hmm. And I think, girl, aren't you stressed out from trying not to be stressed out? I'm stressed out with you just telling me how many things you're going to do today yeah. to try to slow down.
0: I'm, I'm definitely probably, <laughs> I'm raising my hand. Like I'm probably one of those, one of those women, not so much now, but cause I think I realized like I'm taking this a little too far.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know, it's an American problem. I think part mm-hmm. of it may be, but unless that's what you're doing for your job, you know, it can become pretty stressful mm-hmm. to, you know, take care of a family of however many you are, and maybe it's, you know, you and animals, not other people, but you still have things to do, a job to go to, bills to pay, and you're trying to get up in the morning and... You know, work out and drink your lemon water and meditate for 15 to 30 minutes and then write down 10 things you're grateful for and then (laughs) say your (laughs) prayers and then go to work and then eat your lunch mindfully. Make sure you get outside for a walk and then come home and make sure that you like sit outside and breathe in the sunshine and just take a little leisurely bike ride. Like, aren't you so tired? I'm tired just
0: just thinking of all of that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So so I actually am you know I'm trying to work with people to help them just kind of dial it back a Mm -hmm. little bit because all of that is stressful. Mm -hmm. And it all it you know, it, it wears it wears you down and I think the ultimate goal as I see it for, you know, mindfulness stress reduction is joy. Mm-hmm. And when you start piling all those things on and they become to do's, they become have to do's mm-hmm. instead of want-to-do's, then you take the joy out of it. And once you take the joy out of it, what's the point?
0: Okay, so I, I love that and I agree with that. But but then the other side of my brain is saying, okay, well let's say something like meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most schools of thought on meditation is like when you start to do it, it's difficult. It can be a little bit uncomfortable at first. So it's like, how do you tell the difference between, okay, I'm going to push through kind of this lack of joy almost of doing this activity because I recognize that once it becomes more of a practice in the long run, it's going to pay off versus stressing out over trying to meditate every day. (laughs) I
1: think that's actually, that's a really good point. So, um, one of the coolest things I learned about meditation is it's the practice of beginning again. So it's, I, when I tell people to start meditating, I don't tell them to start off with 10 minutes or five minutes. I say, try two Mm -hmm. and like work your way up. You find on, on, um, most of the apps that you can put on your smartphones, you know, started a five minute meditation. And I think that for busy minds like ours, it's, it's actually five minutes is too long. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like eyes open, what's going on, how much long, How time has gone by. But I think whatever practice it is you pick, you do have to stick with it through that uncomfortable part. Mm-hmm. That uncomfortable part is really part of the learning experience. I wouldn't start meditation at the same time that you're trying to start a bunch of other practices that you're not sure are going to resonate with you right? or that you'll succeed. Right. And I think, so that brings up a good point. I think is, is
0: part of the issue that what works for any one person is just so individualized. Mm -hmm. And it's like, instead, almost like the conventional medicine system is set up, like you have these certain types of symptoms, you know, it's this treatment. Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. Algorithmic.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. Whereas, and so it's like, we're constantly looking just for that almost easy answer yeah. for someone to just tell us here, this works, Yeah. but we only know until we try like trial and error to figure out like what works for you. Right. And like, and I, I'm definitely kind of fallen the type of person that's like, Oh, I'm going to try to change up my whole lifestyle and add in like four or five of these things at one time. <laughs> and then probably ultimately give up on them because to your point, like, I don't know what resonates with me? What
1: resonates with you? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, so so people will come in here and they, they want me to tell them what's best for them, right? And so I give them a very, really comprehensive note um, that goes through lifestyle changes that includes nutrition, exercise, sleep, traditional medical things that may be beneficial as part of the evaluation, functional medicine things. Uh, traditional chinese medicine or ayurvedic recommendations to see other providers because i'm not a practitioner and then mindfulness uh based therapies like meditation or or mindfulness practices and then do you need to go to massage see an acupuncture see an energy healer do reiki like all of these things and people (laughs) will be like okay, I signed up for all these appointments. And I'm like, no, oh goodness, I didn't counsel you well enough to tell you to just like, let's start with the one that resonates the most Mm -hmm. with you. Because frankly, for some of these things, we're never going to have enough evidence to say that they work or help or, you know, um, change the course of a person's life or symptoms. It's just so subjective. A lot of it's subjective. And, some of it's not. I mean, I feel pretty certain that if, if we could get funding to do a double blind placebo controlled study with, you know, 2000 people looking at the benefits of Reiki or of, you know, energy healing, that there would be benefits on the back end, mm-hmm. but we, we're not going to fund that, you know? Right. But isn't it all, but isn't it also still subjective in
0: terms of kind of going back to that, you know, our brains and our Bodies are constantly talking, so it's like if we're, I don't know, if we're not open minded
1: yes. to some of these therapies, yeah, it's like we're blocking them out. Absolutely. I mean, I firmly believe that. I mean, with people looking at uh, mindfulness based therapies or some of the more energetic healing modalities, you really have to be open to something mm-hmm. like that for it to work. And so there is a big subjective component to it. When, when you talk when we talk about meditation there's plenty of data to show that you know certain types of meditation for certain lengths of time say this is your practice for months do change they change the brain you mm-hmm. know in better ways so we know that a lot of these practices work but for for some people we know they work just because that person says they do you know like just because i feel better i have more energy i can think more clearly um, I'm not anxious, I'm not depressed, my tummy's calmed down, you know, whatever right. it might be. So you kind of do have to start with the one that you're going to stick with. I mean, I, I have a little questionnaire that asks people what they're most likely to do. And if someone says, I'm not likely to change my diet, well, guess what? We're not starting there. Right. <laughs> you know, because I know you're not going to, you know, sign to work for you.
0: Yeah. Well, and I love that you brought up um, the like placebo effect because I've, I've been thinking about this recently because that's a lot of people's, I don't know, it's like we're so in this mindset of like prove to me that it works on paper, kind of okay. conventional medicine world. And so when people are like, oh, like meditation or energy healing, that works for me. Like some people are like it, you know, it doesn't actually work. It's, you know, you just think it does or it's placebo effect or whatever. And then I just always think back to, do you remember the movie Shallow Howl? Yeah. Okay. So at the end, he makes this comment to his friend. I can just, uh, I almost said George Costanza, Jason Alexander, where he's like, I saw a knockout. I don't care what anyone else saw. And it was like this huge kind of truth bomb of really all that matters is your perspective. Right. So whether it's placebo effect or not, if it works and you feel better, I mean, that's, that's all the data I need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things that I have to say about that. First of all, placebo is a really great drug. It's like, it's it's really cheap. Such a
0: good point. It is.
1: It's really cheap. And if it's not taking the place of something that you truly need to save your life, it's pretty safe. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure like a million people are going to listen to this and be like, I can't believe she said that, but it's the power of belief. It's the power of belief. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when, um, clinical trials are done, part of the placebo effect is the attention that a person gets when they're in the, in the clinical trial they feel coddled they feel taken care of they feel paid attention to some of our trials for antidepressant medications you know near placebo neared or or exceeded you know the benefits of some of our traditional ssris they still work you mm-hmm. know we use them right but we also know that the best the best effects that we get for treating depression and anxiety with medication come with cognitive behavioral therapy like not not just the medicine like Mm -hmm. you need to treat hello the way you're you're thinking to your emotional stuff too and the way that i look at things that i refer people to are that you first have to look and see if it's safe before you do anything else is this thing safe and if it's safe is there evidence that it works for what you're wanting it to work for Mm And if there's not evidence for that, is there evidence for something else that you'd be willing to try? And if there's not, and it's safe, and I include financial safety Mm -hmm. in the safe part because a lot of stuff is really expensive and it's bunk, you know, then go ahead and try it, Mm -hmm. you know, for a period of time. Um, And again, being rooted in like the conventional medicine um, aspect of things is I'm still asking people to consider that these things may also be beneficial to you and there's a you know whole spin on it but yes the placebo effect is huge and if if a session with an acupuncturist or a session with a massage therapist or a session with an energy healer causes you to feel better in such a way that you're able to to take a step in a direction that's positive for you that you weren't able to take before. Mm -hmm. You know, if if five minutes of meditation a day does that for you, that's
0: amazing. Right. Isn't there also, like, science now that's moving into this, like, the power of belief? And so then I'm thinking of, like, the concept of epigenetics. Yes. And instead of... I guess we've lived under the school of thought of, like, genetic determinism, and now we're moving more towards... Epigenetics, which I think is that like our mind is really what is turning on genes. Yeah.
1: So it's, as I understand it, it's basically you are not your genes. Yes. So, which is so different than like everything we've been told for a long time. You know, the difference in the conversation is a guy in my office who says, you know, my dad, my mom, my brothers, my aunts, uncles, and cousins all have diabetes, so I'm going to get it well, you know what? You just said it. Mm-hmm. So I bet you are. I bet you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he may not, he can do a lot of things that could prevent him from going down that road. Mm-hmm. But if he's already accepted that road and he's not going to do any of those things and you should, then yeah, he's going to get it. Another great example, I guess, that I heard. And I think knowing the way you're talking to me right now, you've probably heard of MTHFR issues. People no. Know. No. Okay. What does that so stand for? MTHFR is a type of, there are about, oh my gosh, hundreds of SNPs on the MTHFR gene, which is methyl tetrahydroxyfolate reductase. Yeah, that's a little scientific I think I got that right. I am not sure, but if I did, I'm going to let myself buy a new pair of shoes today. Um, <laughs> But that gene, the quote that I heard was from a well-known person in the functional medicine world whose name I don't remember. But he says that that single gene has caused more anxiety than, you know, pretty much many other things in the past decade has caused more anxiety for people because, oh, I have you get 23 in me. You send it off to the MTHFR people. They print out this 60-page document with how many copies of genes that you have that make them work wrong. But just because you have them doesn't mean they're going to manifest themselves in your body. Yes. Now, if you have them and you have all of these other things like exposure to toxins and your diet really sucks and you never sleep and you're super... Sure, they're going to turn themselves on just like you know this guy's diabetes gene if yes. he sits around and sucks on donuts all day yes so you know it's that to me is the science of epigenetics it's understanding that we carry things with us from our from our past from our parents from our grandparents from who knows how many generations of people but just because it happened to them doesn't mean it's going to happen to us.
0: Right. And the choices we make both with like what we eat, body movement, right. mindset, even yep. that's what determines whether or not we activate or
1: turn on that or, turn gene on that or gene. not. Yeah. And, and certainly I'm sure there's some component of it that I don't understand and we're oversimplifying it. But that's, I mean, even in the womb, like they've, I was looking this up for a friend of mine last week who's struggling with his kid's behavior and they were adopted but, you know, it's that nature-nurture thing. They mm-hmm. were given every opportunity to succeed, but they came from a mother who had major emotional and physical trauma during pregnancy. So they've, they've studied certain genes in the womb of mothers who are really stressed out versus mm-hmm. those who aren't, and they've seen that just, like, what you're bathed in in the womb can affect your... Yes your mental and emotional self as a young child and growing up. And that's, ep- that's also epigenetics. It's right. That environmental piece. And so it's like it on, on one end of things,
0: it's, it can be really exciting. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. I'm in charge of my own health. Yeah. Then on the other end, <laughs> that's where it's also super stressful of right. like, Oh my gosh, I'm in charge of my own health. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't blame or thank genes, so to speak, yeah. which is kind of what we've always done. Like, yeah. oh, well, you know, it's in my genes or, or I've got good genes, right. but like, no, it's us and it's the decisions we're making.
1: Yeah. For a, probably for a, a good part of our health, we do have to take responsibility for what we're doing. You know, sure. Things happen. Crap happens to people. It's really bad. Really bad stuff happens to people and they're like the best people ever and they've only eaten lettuce their whole lives, you mm-hmm. know, stuff happens but i think it's important that we all understand we have to take responsibility for what we're doing and you know when you're living a healthy mindful life it's actually a pretty good way to live Mm -hmm. you know it's only hard because taking stuff out that's bad for us you know fills us up with neurochemicals in bad ways you know Mm -hmm. like drugs and dopamine and, you know, can also get that from being outside in the sunshine and getting a good hug. So, yeah, it's, it's just, I
0: don't know. It's like once you realize, okay, like I'm responsible and then that's like an enormous responsibility. Mm-hmm. So like, how do we find that balance between taking responsibility mm-hmm. and ownership of our health and mental and physical yet also like not stressing ourselves out about it?
1: So I'm in this, this program right now through the school of applied functional medicine and i love uh, i love this way of breaking it down for people because it's overwhelming mm-hmm. right all the things you can do are overwhelming so the the algorithm that they give is maximize minimize prioritize so what are you already doing that you enjoy that you can maximize in your life what are you doing that is not really good for you that you mm-hmm. can take out and then what What are your priorities mm-hmm. so like you know what's the way that you do that and so for me in my own life like I can maximize the time I spend outside because being outside makes me feel awesome mm-hmm. the time I spend at the beach and the ocean time I spend with my son and my husband I can maximize that I can minimize um, the use of alcohol, sugar, and, you know, shopping to fill myself up when I feel stressed out or confused or Mm -hmm. empty. And it's once you like see it written down like that, it's pretty easy for me to set priorities every day. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's the way I look at it. I, I had to tell someone this just this week, actually, I was like, you are on vacation. Like right now, texting your doctor about something that's not life-threatening, why don't you just be on vacation? Yeah. And forget about all this stuff that you left here because that is not serving you. Right. You just need vacation like from yourself. <laughs>
0: well, and that's where like I, my brain kind of keeps coming back to. And I, especially I think So this is not so much if you have like some kind of a legit chronic Mm -hmm. illness or something, but if Mm -hmm. you're if you're kind of just living in the stress of this current like self care craze, I'm just wondering does it ultimately come down to like acceptance, self acceptance? Because it's like I can, you know, oh oh, I've got to get to the gym and then I've got to meditate so that I'm less stressed and so that I'm able to focus more. But isn't that all? at the end of the day, I'm just like, that's like negative self-talk and I'm kind of judging myself. Yes. Whereas if I just accept all of it, but then like we're in a self-acceptance like versus just doing nothing. Versus just
1: doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like, how can you not set yourself up for failure? I think like, what can you reasonably do in a given day on a regular basis so that, most of the time you're checking it off your list instead of being like, oh, I suck. I didn't do that today. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't want to set up an environment for self-sabotage and self punishment. And I think, you know, many of us who are performers and we're used to succeeding and the full plate and always doing it. And I, I think you mentioned this, you know, early on, but you know, it's that I'm working out, I'm eating right. How come I'm not, I'm not losing weight. And actually your body is freaking tired. Mm-hmm. Your body's exhausted. And so even though you're doing the right things, your body's hanging on in like survival mode, which means your metabolic rate goes down, you know, you're kind of in hibernation. And so once you kind of relax in your the stress of self care or the stress of I'm getting older and my hormones aren't working as right. So I'm going to totally beat up my body because I can't yeah. lose weight. It's <laughs> just like where I am right now. Well, that's um, where I am <laughs> kind of too. And that's where I think it's, and I
0: recognize I've said this a million times, like I tend to be an all or nothing person. Yeah. And I think that really ultimately what I'm here to learn in this life is like, where's the middle? Like yeah. where, is the, where balance? is the middle? Because like I will even, okay. So even if I tried to go down the, Oh, Okay. I've been working out very consistently and my body feels tired. I'm sore. I'm just, I've been working hard. Like I'm, my mind is sore. So I'm going to give myself a rest. That rest is at risk of lasting like too long. You know, then I go yeah. like kind of back so to the have, other you're, extreme. You
1: self. Yeah. I a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So finding, finding the ease in how you can keep going and doing doing the things that are right for you without getting tired and giving up mm-hmm. or like getting tired and taking too long of a break. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I think of, I used to run marathons and I can't imagine for a marathon anymore, but I can imagine, you know, running three miles a few days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can imagine that that makes me feel productive, mm-hmm. but I had to let go of it. Doesn't count unless I'm running a half marathon every Saturday,
0: right? Which kind of goes back to <laughs> acceptance, like accepting yep. where, like accepting that do what you can do, yeah, and like that's more than good enough. Yep. Versus, I guess we constantly kind of compare what we're currently doing to everything we could be Ooh, doing. Or we
1: tried it. We just don't think it counts unless it's to excess. Right, like
0: it's just, that is just so our entire like society.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't count unless it's to excess. So, like, you know, you you can't call yourself a runner until you run a marathon. I mean, I can't tell you how many people who like, oh, you're a runner, you run. Mar-. No, like you're a runner, yeah. you run every day.
0: <laughs> well, we do that with everything. I was in, um, I was in a writing workshop, and the facilitator said she said something about like stop saying you're not a writer. If you write words on paper, you're a writer. But I mean, we constantly like diminish or, I I don't know, almost like reject the saying we are certain things because to your point, we don't think we're doing it enough or we haven't, I guess, reached this certain level of success to claim that as part of who we
1: are. Right. And and I, I mean, I struggle with that every day. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, people compliment me on what I'm doing and I'm like, Oh no, no. I'm like the, you know, we immediately diminish, that, Right. Yeah. But you, yeah, I don't know, except it's a practice to get out of the negative self talk, mm-hmm. you know, with yourselves, like kind of talk to yourself. Like you talk to your best friend, talk to yourself. Like you talk to your kid, give yourself, give yourself grace. I mean, I use the word grace a lot, but I don't think we give ourselves enough
0: grace mm-hmm.
1: with, all of the things that we're trying to do in life. And in my mind, when something that, again, is meant to be joyful becomes a chore, then it's too much. And then you have to look at what's going on in your life that you can take out so that thing that you used to love isn't a chore anymore. And I think that brings
0: up a good point that it's like we're kind of looking for this routine of of life and self-care and then even eating plan that we can just decide on that works and then that's it and that's kind of write it. it out but i think and i heard this recently in terms of of gut health that it's kind of like, okay, so it's a very delicate balance of bacteria, good and bad. Yep. And so at some point in time, it's like, you need more, you know, I'm just going to use example, like leafy greens to put <laughs> your gut back in balance. So all of a sudden you start doing the kale shakes and eating salad for dinner and making sure you're getting leafy greens. Um, you know, however many times throughout your, your day and that works. And that builds up that good bacteria. But then at some point that bacteria then is too much. Right. So now you're off kilter the other way. And you need right. to switch it up. And so I'd never thought about that concept in terms of... Balance. Yeah, self-care of like, <laughs> okay, maybe you go through seasons of life where you need a lot of meditation, and then all of a sudden that's not working for you anymore, and you and you bounce back to where maybe then it's more physical exercise, and so it's just... But again, I think that that's just so hard to do because it's not easy.
1: No, it, it's not easy, but we have, like, life keeps going, Most of us have to pay bills, you know, and I'm thinking in my head of like, I took a month off four years ago. I went to the North shore of Oahu. I woke up early every morning. I either went for a run or went to yoga. There's a lot of traffic there. So if I went to yoga, it would be like a two hour experience, you know, and then I'd come home and I'd make this beautiful breakfast and then I would sit outside on a picnic table in front of Rocky Point and I would write for like two or three hours. And then I would be like, I'm going to go on an adventure, (laughs) you know, and then I'd go on an adventure for that day and then I'd go to a farmer's market or maybe I'd go out to dinner by myself and I'd go to bed. Well, guess what? If I were doing that right now, I would default on my mortgage. I would have to file bankruptcy Um, and I, I couldn't pay for my health insurance. Right. So there's like you know there's seasons of life right so right now I consider myself to be successful if I get in at least 20 minutes of exercise most days of the week and I sit down and shut up for three minutes a day and close my eyes Mm. and hug my kid as many times as possible and that's I mean I never ever thought that I would ever get to the point where I could say that like it almost brings tears to my eyes because if I look at that on paper it doesn't look like I did anything (laughs) I disagree, but, (laughs) but but, you know, but, but that is, you're
0: doing exactly what you just said is like, you're giving yourself grace yeah. of, you know, you're not, unfortunately you're not still like just on an Island where you can just do whatever you want to do. Um, and you're not running the marathons and all that stuff, but like where you are in your life is a different type of wonderful. And so, you know, you've got a, a young son and like that, you know,
1: that's going to tilt the scales a little bit. So So that's that's the prioritized <laughs> mm-hmm. part, right? Like the, just this morning I was talking to my husband and and I was thinking like what could I take out of my life right now that would bring my family life into better balance and have that be the first priority because I actually do want to be home. I'm kind of old fashioned. Like I do want to be home cooking nice meals for my family, I do want to make, like, crafty things for Halloween, you know? But instead, I'm, like, up late at night looking at MRIs and trying to figure out what's the next training that I want to do and the next certification I want to do, and do I really need that? That's just, like, that negative self-talk of constantly trying to have to prove the next thing to myself or other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just this constant reminder So I love, okay, so I love that I just, I had
0: a little aha moment of of how this fits together is that, um, you know, maximize, remove, prioritize. And like once you kind of do that little exercise and know what your priorities are, that probably helps with the justifications of some of the, what you want to remove. Right. And then maybe it's easier to give yourself grace with that by recognizing it's just for this season. Yeah. This is what the scales look like for this season of life. It doesn't mean forever. Yeah. And so like, this is what will work now and I'll reevaluate, you know, whenever I feel I need to reevaluate.
1: Yeah. I totally just got goosebumps. So that's right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and this season, like A season might just be like a month. Yeah. You know, just depending on how a life is in flux or, you know, the age of a child or maybe you got a puppy. You know what I mean? It might just be a month or three months or a season might be a while, Mm -hmm. you know. But I I even think, you know, within that season, if you start to make positive changes for yourself and you stop the negative self-talk, I just think doors start to open that you didn't know were possible. I I completely agree. Oh, I love it. Okay. So
0: what advice would you give just kind of your, your average individual who is feeling the stress of trying to find time for self-care or their self-care routine or, you know, again, like no major health issues, but just they feel like they're trying to fit a lot in and they're not able to, and then they're kind of beating themselves up up about that. Like, what would you say is kind of just, I'm big on like the first step, like the first step they need to do?
1: You know, I would probably make a list of all the things that you're trying to do. And I would pick the one that that you enjoy doing the most, even if you don't think for whatever reason that it's the most effective one. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that I would do. And I would just implement that for... You know, three weeks make it stick. without How many days to create a new habit? Like mm-hmm. Twenty-one, twenty-eight, something like yes. that. Um, but I would pick the one that brings you the most joy versus the one that you think you should be doing. Yes. Ah. Uh, okay. So choose joy. Choose joy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I have I've done some um, you know some of those courses with I guess life coaches. Um, and you kind of at the end of them, you create a manifesto, right? And so, what's always come up for me is ease. I try to do everything the hard way and joy. And so, I have this little, you know, piece of paper in my bathroom that says, Create joy and ease. Mm. And it's still like, it's still a hard thing mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. is to give yourself that gift every day. Like, what would make me happier to. You know, put my son in the stroller and, you know, go for, a, excuse me, a 5K run or to throw him in the trailer and get on the beach cruiser and go play in the sand. Yeah. Well, the latter would yeah. make me so much happier. But how often do I choose that?
0: Right. Because you, you feel know, like you, quote unquote, should, should do the other. do the
1: other. So you just have to, you have to choose, Joy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. That was a perfect note like to end on.
0: <laughs> So many times in these conversations I just have actually been talking I'm to myself.
1: Telling myself. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for oh my this. God, you're Tell welcome. everyone like where they can find you, where they can follow you on the socials. Oh, yeah. So stuff. you
1: can um you can follow me on Instagram at fc uh as in First Coast FC Integrative Medicine um and also on Facebook and My website's www.firstcoastintegrativemedicine.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Thank you again to Megan for all of her advice and insight. There was so much good stuff in there, but if I had to choose my favorite takeaways, it would be how the overall medical model is starting to change from really solely focused on conventional medicine to looking at incorporating other modalities like functional medicine, integrative medicine, and, I just think that's really important to remember when you're approaching your own health, that there are a lot of options out there. So, you know, take those into consideration and keep an open mind in ways that you can treat whatever is going on with you. How our gut and our brain are constantly communicating. So we can't really treat one without treating the other. We can change our diet, take all the probiotics, exercise, nutrition, you know, whatever it is. To treat our body, but if our mind remains stressed out and in a negative place, we won't be able to make any real progress. How the power of belief is a real thing. So again, be open-minded to different treatments or modalities. And if something works for you, great. There's really no reason to question it past that. And I love the exercise of maximize, minimize, and prioritize when it comes to how you spend your time while recognizing that there are different seasons of life. So Your priorities now might shift, you know, next month, next year, next five years. And that's all okay. Give yourself grace in that process of figuring all of that out. And lastly, with all the options that we have available to us, don't take on a million at once, but instead start with the self-care tactic that most resonates with you. And as Megan said, when it comes to prioritizing, you know, those tactics in your routine, ultimately just choose joy. So that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please, please, please share it with a friend or on your socials. Uh, give the podcast a rating and a quick review. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at The Better You Podcast. And I ask that you please check out my book. It is titled, I Gave Up Men for Lent, The Story of a Jaded, Hopelessly Romantic, Health-Conscious Party Girl's Search for Meaning. Do not let the title fool you, I promise. It is not just a book for women. It is not a book solely on relationships. It has no major affiliation to any type of religion. It is really a book about all the different internal struggles we all go through when it comes to trying to figure out and actually live the life that we want to live. So again, it's titled I Gave Up Men for Lent, and it is available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. And to close out next, you'll hear um, actually a podcast recommendation from one of our listeners. And if you want to share your recommendations for a book or a podcast or an app or anything that has helped you better understand yourself or your life, please just record a short voice memo and email it to the betteryoupodcast at gmail.com. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Hi, it's Megan. I wanted to share some podcasts that have been really helpful to me. Um, the first one is Meditation Minis and also Tune Into You. They offer guided meditations if you're not at a place where you can just sit down and do your own 10, 15 or even 30 minute meditation. So those two have been super helpful in starting a meditation practice for me. The other is Affirmation Pod, which has been awesome when dealing and going through just life's changes. When I uh, started a position at work or came home with a second baby, I would listen to um, just various ones that would really help me get through the day. So hopefully you all find those helpful as well.